It is good to be here at the Baptist Temple, and and I agree with our dear sister, Brother Nikki, is unusual, and I sure do love him. He asked me what I preach his funeral today. I guess he's counting on Sister Joanne putting him out of his misery one of these days, and um, anyhow, uh, that'd be a great honor, and uh, if I could do that if the Lord were to make that needful, but let's pray, don't amen. That's good singing tonight. I'm afraid to say it wasn't because they all reminded me of convicts. They're all big like that, and I don't care if they stand on their head while they sing. When you get up, you say, that was good. (laughs) It's just best to say that was good, amen. I, too, I'm so glad for Brother Brian and his wife. I remember well when they started. We went down to look at that building. I happened to be here that year. I remember when he came through Tennessee on deputation. Man, stuff that I thought was junk. They loaded it up in their van and brought it to Texas, boy. I said, them Texas folks must be in bad shape now, I'm telling you. And uh, they brought everything we own in Tennessee, and they brought it back. I, I've just enjoyed being with you all, and, and I want to say thank you tonight. I appreciate your prayers for us, your support of us. Uh, we're glad to serve the Lord, Miss Judy and me. And uh, I guess tonight, if you'll turn in your Bible to the book of John, chapter 8, with me, While you're turning there, I'll just take a few minutes to tell you about one portion of the Rock of Ages, and that is the work that we're doing in the public schools. Of course, we're in the prisons and in many, many countries around the world and coast to coast. Somebody asked me last night to name all the prisons we're in. Well, I can't do that. Uh, In Brazil alone, we're in 75 of them. I just can't do that. So um, I told the lady, I I can't do that. There's too many of them. But I thought this evening I would give you one more illustration out of the public school. We have a man that works in Kentucky, North Carolina, and Tennessee, right where they joined up there in the public schools. And he's a missionary with us. Brother Bellamy is his name, he and his wife. And... uh, We didn't know this, but in Kentucky, they have been uh, mapping the violence that occurs in public schools. I think many schools are doing that, but they were doing it. And they discovered the most violent people in schools today are girls. It used to be boys, but today girls, 11, 12, 13 years old, are the most violent students that they deal with. They are the worst. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But um, if you just came with us, you'd see how many of them are murderers and so forth. And anyway, we didn't know that, but this school did. So last year, they began to run the girls that they had in trouble from previous years into our Bible class. I believe Brother Bellamy's there twice a week. 
And at the end of the year, as we started back into this year, to see did they want us, they drew out the paperwork and said, uh, into the year before you folks came, here's the number of violent acts that we have had. There was over a thousand violent acts, most of them by girls. They tried to kill somebody. Uh, they they done some pretty bad things. And the, and the superintendent said, the only thing we changed, we made all of those kids that done these violent deeds take your Bible class. And I want to show you what you accomplished. You mean you didn't know this, but we did. Violence in our school has dropped by 30%. And it was down around 700 plus violent acts this year. The Bible is still quick and powerful, wherein people will allow it to do its work. And see, there it is. Here's a school with over 1,100 violent acts by girls, yes, some boys, but girls lead the worst of it today. And uh, the Bible, just the Bible, we've done one thing. We've made them take your Bible class. And God did it again. Some of them had gotten saved, but it done something for them. And uh, I, I wish you'd be mindful of the blessed Holy Spirit. I'm glad I get to hit up the Rock of Ages, if nothing else, so I can tell you pastors and churches uh, one year, we had a pastor of an independent Baptist church. He was a missionary in Australia and came home because of a heart condition. And we got him permission. And he went in the elementary school every day, five days a week, the entire school year, and on the public address system. He told him who he was and told them that if they wanted to see a chaplain, they could see him. And today's scripture reading is, and then he had prayer on the government's public address system. <laughs> if Janet Reno knew that, she'd have another twitch, wouldn't she? <laughs> on top of the one she already has, the heathen. And the old slick line clicking too, he'd have a fit. But the Bible still works. If you just have to look for the opportunity, you know, if you write something off in your mind, oh, we'll never get in that uh, that uh, nursing home, or we'll never get in that prison. Sometimes I hear him say, well, they had an Episcopalian woman for a chaplain. I don't care if they have a polka-dotted chaplain. I ain't there for her. She's a heathen. If she wants to get saved, I don't mind her getting in. I want to the prisoners. Nod your head up and down. She can't poison me. I've got eternal security. She can't say anything, do anything. She can't do anything. She can spit in my face just so I get to the prisoners. But some people say, Oh, it's an Episcopalian woman. Well... 
God made some pretty strange-looking animals, if you think about it. And I guess he made her too, you know, or something. We ought not. It's when we write something off in our mind and we see a house or we see a trailer park or we see somebody and we say they're too tough. Man, they don't want to ever hear the gospel. That just cuts it off. It cuts it off. Man, if we went about by saying them guys look too tough, we wouldn't get anything done in prison. They all look tough to me. They're all bigger than the side of a building. Sure they are. Sometimes they're wearing them little muslin caps and carrying their prayer robe, their prayer rug around. But I don't mean anything. You get him by himself. You could say to him, was your grandmother a Muslim? No, his grandmother wasn't a Muslim. Was your grandmother happy, a happy Christian? Did she sing? Did she ever chant? Did she get happy? How come you changed? Don't you know when your grandmother sees you, she's going to say shame on you. So I like them guys singing tonight. It's real good. I thought it was good. Y'all ready? John chapter 8, if you'll do that. I want to show you in the opening scriptures tonight several things about our adversary, the devil, our enemy. In in John chapter 8, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Now, just mark what God calls him. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Notice in that one verse, we find out the devil is a murderer, and we find out he's a liar. Now look in John chapter 10 with me quickly, and let's pick up again. What else does God tell us about what he is? In John 10 and verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door, Jesus is the door, and here is a person that will not come into in at the door. But look at this. But climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Again in verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Notice God tells us that Satan is a murderer, a liar, and a thief. Now when you put those three people together, a murderer, a liar, and a thief, there's one common thing about all three of them. They don't 
want to get caught. They want to do what they do, but they don't want you to know it's them doing it. They don't mind if they blame an innocent person. They don't mind if the innocent person goes to prison for 10, 20, and even more years. They don't mind that. They're out there living in sin, wallowing in the hog pen, while the person that they testified against falsely is doing their time. That doesn't bother them just so they don't get caught. Sometimes people tell lies on us. Anybody ever lie on you? Tell a lie on you? Well, you ain't lived as a Christian too long. If they ain't, they'll, they'll soon be around. Just get ready for them. How they're going to lie on you. And I want to say to you again, he loveth to make it a, a lie. And the only thing he's concerned about is just so he don't get caught. Satan kind of lives with this little slogan. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. I mean, don't blame me. You see that? One day I got to noticing how he does things and the lost, and this is where I'm going to preach mostly tonight, the saved don't even recognize that it's him. And we may blame Brother Mickey, we may blame Sister Joanne, we may blame Brother Randy or one of the other teachers in the school, we may blame the college. Satan puts those things in there and just so they don't know that it was him. I wonder how many men and ladies have left the mission because the devil told them a lie. And it didn't matter how much you told them the truth, Brother Bryant. He told them a lie, and they believed the lie, and they packed up their few things and stormed down the street. And where they are tonight, who knows, Brother Bryant. Sometimes they come back through and say, I should have never done that, Brother Bryant. I should have stayed with you. Boy, how stupid I was. I thought I was strong and the devil couldn't get me after three months of being in the home. But I found out I'm not strong. See, he told a lie and then said, and Brian told him, it's the devil that told you that. It's the devil. He's a lying to you. But the devil said, wait a minute, don't blame me. I didn't do anything. Don't blame me. That's his slogan. I want to show you his, him doing it in the Bible tonight just so you might be forewarned. He may be feeding one of you a lie right now. He may be feeding you a lie. Somebody told me this week about a preacher, a good man, a good man. And, and I know him, and he's a good man. But see... 
Well, he believed a lie from the devil. And it's affected his ministry. And he can do that. If he don't tell it to me, he don't mind telling it to Miss Judy. Because he knows if he tells Miss Judy, I'll hear it sooner than later. I mean, I'll probably know about it while I'm trying to go to sleep that night. Huh, huh, wake up, listen to this now. Huh? He'll tell her if he can't get me to believe it. I find, brother, um, Mickey, that I have to stop again and again and again and remind myself that the Bible said, judge righteous judgment. Well, if all I listen to is one side of it, and I don't ask Brother Bryant or Sister Bryant the other side, and I make a judgment on just that one side of the problem, hey, I'm going to end up with egg all over my face. Sometimes you judge your wife like that. Sometimes you judge your children. You didn't listen to your children, did you? You just ran your mouth, didn't you? That's in the message tonight, so I better get off of that so I can nail your hide when I get there. I want to show you Satan tonight and how he, he sneaks up. Now, I want to tell you this tonight. The day God began to deal with me about it, I walked through the Bible and, and just saw how amazing power he has to blind people, to just make you and me so you can't see who it is. Just can't tell who it is, and you make a bad decision. Let's look at the loss just a minute. Come in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let me show you. Uh, you know, if you witness to lost people, they'll give you all kinds of reasons why they can't get saved, or this isn't the time to get saved. I just don't think it's the time right now. They'll say words like that, won't they? And, and, and you know what? Inside of them, they think they are so much more intelligent than you are who have believed, don't know Lord Jesus. They think they're better educated. Well, I went to the University of Texas. And what did you take? Basket weaving? <laughs> Flower gardening? I mean, what did you do there? Come on, if you graduated from there, it couldn't have been very much. Sure they do. What causes them to be so blinded about going to hell, about receiving the Lord? Well, here it is in 2 Corinthians 4. Look in verse 3. But if our gospel 
That's our story about what Jesus did on the cross and how he rose from the dead. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, now that's the devil, notice it's a little g, the God of this world hath done what? have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. People who put off getting saved, they think they're superior, more educated. Uh, they'll say stuff like, well, I want time to think about this now. I don't want to be hasty about it. I'm the kind of person that weighs everything that I do. Somebody dropped that dude on his head when he was a baby and forgot to write it in his baby book, preacher. He ought to park in the handicapped spot. I think I'll give him a note so he can do it. Are you listening to me? You know who came by and blinded your mind? Satan did. Are you listening to me? He, I think many times he knows that right down the road you're going to get a load of dope like you ain't never had and it's going to fry your brain like an egg on the skillet. And when it's done with you, you won't even know what day it is or who you are just so you can go to hell. So he blinds you right there. Do you know how many prisoners die on the inside? It is surprise you at the number of people that get killed. And I won't tell you flat out, right here in the Bible, the Bible warns lost people, it isn't because you're more educated. It's not because you've got more money than the rest of us. It's not because you live in a bigger house, drive a bigger car than all the rest of us. It's Satan that doesn't want you saved and you better push by him by the grace of God and hit the altar and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you better do it tonight. Look down that scripture just a little bit. In verse in Second Corinthians four, and this time in verse five. There's the verse this is the key verse of the Rock of Ages. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Notice how miraculous our salvation is. Do you know how you got saved? He had your mind blinded. 
But God insisted, and he is greater than the devil, and the light shined out of darkness into your heart. Your salvation is a miracle. If you really got born again, it isn't like deciding this morning we're going to eat at the McDonald's instead of the, the Cracker Barrel. That ain't salvation, Jack. It takes God shining the light on the inside. The lady said, no one helped me. I was a 12-year-old girl, but she got in. Who watched over her birth? Jesus did. He was the great physician that was there that day and brought her in and kept her all these years. What about that? You remember how lost you were? Why do you get fed up at lost people? Why do you get aggravated at bus kids? Why do you get aggravated at Spanish people that say uh, no English or whatever it is they say? I learned the Spanish word now. Hola! But when I say it, they all run. I must be saying something wrong, <laughs> Brother Mosley. I'm trying, ain't I? Well, why do you get aggravated at them? You just kind of dumb yourself. Don't make faces at me. I've been married 46 years. I'm no more by dirty faces than any man in the house. I'm telling you, God, the, the God of this world had you blinded too. Amen? Well, there it is in your Bible. The God of this world hath blinded. You wouldn't think he'd have that power, but he does. That's why God called him your adversary. He's working on you. And if you're here today and you're not saved, then you ought to get in tonight. I won't tell you that. Come with me now to the book of Matthew, and I'll start with you tonight. And let's spend most of the evening with the saved people, with me and you. Can he fool us? Oh, yes, he can. And in Matthew 16, something wonderful just happened to the apostle Peter. If you'll find that chapter in Matthew 16, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That was a pinnacle time in Peter's life, like walking on the water, like being on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was a pinnacle time. Like when Jesus put everybody out and took him, James, and John and went in and raised the 12-year-old girl from the dead. It was a pinnacle. He said, who, who say ye that I am? And God said to Peter, Teddy, 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch this. Turn over in your Bible just a moment in verse 21, and here's something you learn about the devil. Right after you've had such a glorious victory, boy, he likes to lay for you. I've actually heard preachers who I think certainly know more than I know that say things like this. If you have a victory to this height, the war will at least reach that level. Understand that? You pray and pray and pray for a mother or dad to be saved, and then God does it. Do you think the devil's going to ignore that? You think he ain't going to come and do what he can to deceive you, to lie to you? I noticed when I pastored, I had ladies who were born again and faithful in church. You could count on them. I'm telling you, you could count on them. And they had a lost husband. And they prayed and they prayed and they wrote their name down every revival. And it was on the prayer list. And sometimes things would be so bad at home. And they just had to lift their hands and say, Preacher, would you and the church pray for me? My lost husband's on a terror. Please pray. We did. And then God would save that husband. And you'd think the two of them would just serve God just as faithful till Jesus come. But you know what Judy and I noted? That many times after God did that, that very lady that wanted it so bad will believe a lie and fall away from the church. And the poor man that just got saved, he don't know what to believe. So he's tore out of the church himself. And that which she wanted for so many years, she herself marred it. Are you looking at me, lady? I'm looking right at you. I'm telling you the actual truth. I pastored too. I listened to your preacher this week talk about people that have fallen by the wayside. And he say things like this. We can't figure out what it is, Brother Ron. We ask them and they say nothing's wrong. Everything's all right. When there's nothing wrong, we love you and Miss Joanne. And we love the church. But they ain't going anywhere. I asked about a man that's a member of this church and we ate in his home. One Sunday night after service. Why ain't he here? And Brother Mickey visits that brother and he was every bit as active as most of you in this church. See, I've been coming here a long time. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. He had some victories. He was doing good. He had a good job. And the old devil, here was the victory. 
and he brought a warfare. And he believed a lie. Peter came right to here. Now watch what happens. It's in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Notice he gave the whole story. He didn't stop with suffer. He didn't stop with being killed. He went right on to the finish and said, and be raised again the third day. Now watch this. Verse 22. Then Peter took him. Can you imagine laying hands on the Son of God? Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Don't that just sound good? It sounds so spiritual, don't it? Kind of like a Baptist would say. Do you know when I was a boy, they actually taught all the time that when the Pope put on that headpiece, everything that he came out of his mouth was divine, was straight from God. It was without error. Any Catholics remember those days? We didn't eat meat on Friday either, did we? Everybody, everybody, the school smelled like fish. Every Friday, it's enough to gag a maggot off a gut wagon. Well, in those days, what the Pope said was straight from God. You don't hear much about that anymore in the Catholic Church. But you sure do in the Baptist church. I mean, more Baptists believe everything that comes out of their mouth is straight from heaven. And I hate to tell them it's from hell. But I feel led. It don't even make me nervous. I don't mind saying, puke. Who gave you that piece of nonsense? One night in my home church, we wanted to build our pastor a parsonage. And it was a time when interest rates were as low as they'd ever been. And one man could have paid for it. He had more money than Carter's got liver pills. And, and he was tight, tight. He'd rubbed the buffalo and the nickel till he had sores uh, on his side. Didn't he, wifey? And so uh, the, the preacher said, Brother Ron, you, you get up and make the emotion, the motion. The, the church has confidence in you. You get up and do it. So I got up and said, Church, our pastor needs a parsonage, and now's the time to do it, I believe. And if you brethren agree with me, which we had talked about it, I didn't spring it on them, then I believe tonight's the night we ought to say, yes, let's do it. And I'm willing to go to the bank and I'm willing to put my house and my acre of land up for collateral for the church and there are other men here that are ready to do it. I knew. Well, this rich man, he never did come Wednesday night, but he was there that night. 
Somebody leaked it to him. Listen to this. He stood around and said, This ain't the time to build no house. This is what he said. Interest rates are too low right now to build a house. That don't even make sense, does it? Who gave that to him? I just turned around and looked at him. That's too dumb to answer. He didn't deserve an answer. But I know who gave it to him. You think about took. You look at that word. That's a strong word. Then Peter took him. Did you ever take your child to the bathroom saying to him, if you don't quit playing until it's too late, you took him and said, not so, Lord. I ain't going to let this happen to you. Do you know we wouldn't know if God didn't give us this in the next verse. But he turned and said unto Peter, Look, 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 look. Get thee behind me, Satan. Who urged Peter to say that? Huh? It's right there in the Bible, Baptist. Can I tell you, ladies, that you're not always speaking straight from the heavenly throne. And can I tell you men, I've got to give them equal time. <laughs> fellas, fellas, fellas. And I'm going to tell you, brother, Brian, not everybody comes in your office and said, I'm God. I'm living here. I'm going to give me a job making $52 an hour. Well, don't forget the rock of ages when you get rich. Come on, come on. I'll miss your nose by half an inch. Are you looking at me? Some of you ought to repent tonight. Some of you ought to look at your wife and say it wasn't nothing but the devil made me rail on you like I did. And I do wish some of you women would find out the devil can use you too. You can discourage a man quicker. Yeah, you can, lady. Some of you women, you just got a caustic spirit. Huh? Maybe if we ran you through the spin cycle, it would help you to get a better attitude, a better mouth. Some of you sound like a diesel engine turning over. <laughs> I think I ought to dump a can of ether in you and maybe you'll explode on the next time around. You wouldn't even know the devil was anywhere near. Jesus, it was just a wonderful time. The Father said to 
Peter, tell him thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he did. Bought me the devil's soul, man. And he snuck in there. Blinded Peter. It's kind of like a boy that tells his daddy, I'm tired of obeying you. I'm just tired of it. And I'm joining the Marine Corps. Ooh, boy. You might ought to put a sign around his neck as he goes. His elevator don't go to the top. <laughs> Are you listening to me? How many times did you and I speak and we should have kept our mouths shut? Come on! Say amen right there! And some of you are still doing it, you outfit! Looks like if as long as you've been married, you'd learn to say yes, ma'am. Some man said, I always get the last words. Yes, ma'am. Looks like you would learn that. You spout off to your kids and discourage them. Are you listening to me? And it ain't just men that need encouragement. It's wives that need it. We're to love her like Christ loved the church. Right? Do you think the devil could use your mouth? Some of you ought to drink Listerine morning, noon, and night. Swallow the whole thing. Maybe it would kill germs down on the inside and Satan would move out. I don't know what it's going to take. But I got Bible. And all you got is some cheap book you bought at the Christian bookstore. How to tell your husband he's wrong. Try keeping your mouth shut. Say amen right there. How to tell your husband he's wrong. How to tell your wife, you know. They have them books, how to tell your wife this and that. Junk. Just pure junk. What about getting down praying together? What about getting down, getting close to God? And she said, dear Jesus, I ask your forgiveness. That supper I made tonight was so bad. Tomorrow night there'll be a chocolate cake with double icing. <laughs> huh? What about that? You look like you need another load. Come to the book of Acts chapter 5. I ain't going to ease up on you. Preachers told me take my time and I'm going to do it too. Because I'm just sick and tired. I mean, Brother Mickey, I've seen Baptist preachers they act like they are the last word on any subject. If you don't agree with what they think is a calling from God, it don't matter that you've been doing it 30 years. It don't matter that God has blessed it and blessed it and blessed it. I've actually heard Baptist preachers say, if you're not a church planner, you're not a missionary. Some guy was some, 
Some guy was doing that in a service. One of my missionaries there, and he went up and said, I'm not a church planner. I've got a prison full of young boys, and I go there every day and work among them. But, but I'm not a, a missionary. He said, no, you're not. And he said, well, would you mind telling me what I am? And this man said, you're an apostle. And he called me up and said, we think about it, Brother Ron. I went in there, a missionary, and came out an apostle. <laughs> and if I named him, most of you know him. He's, a, he's got a good name. I can't help but you make me twitch. Hanging around you, give me a tick. I'm telling you the honest truth. Did you ever think that devil might be telling you what to say? Acts chapter 5. Some of you, we lied to the Holy Ghost so many times, and we bear quick. And notice what Peter said in Acts 5. This is that story found out about Ananias and Sapphira. They were Baptists. Sure they were. Don't you think they were? Oh, they weren't Presbyterians. No, sir. And they weren't Methodists, neither. They were independent Baptists. King James Version. Premillennial. Now look at this right here. What do you think about this, Jack? Ain't nothing prouder than a young preacher. They think they know more than Brother Mickey. He's been pastoring how long, Brother Mickey? Eighteen years. Hey, boy, please stand behind my car when I leave tonight. Backing over you would be pure pleasure. Are you listening to me? How many times did some young preachers dress you down, Brother Mickey? Huh? I'll tell you the secret to Brian. You know why I like him and his wife? They've just hung with Brother Mickey. They're humble. Brought Brother Mickey this week to look at the house they want to buy, see if the pastor approved. That's why I love you, Brother Brian. That's why I'd help you any way I could. I'm taking you to a golden gallon for breakfast on Saturday. Ain't that count? You know, if you was an old big mouth and trying to tell me what Mickey's doing wrong, I wouldn't take you nowhere. I wouldn't even buy you a greasy big mat. I wish you... I wish you'd pay attention to your Bible. Now look right here. In this matter of cheating God. You know, saying, I'm too sick to go today. But you're not too sick to watch the races all afternoon. You sit in front of that television and go around and around and around and around. And you watch football all Sunday afternoon? You ain't too sick to do that. And in fact, you come around next on Monday and say, 
We won, didn't we? We won. And you didn't even play. You didn't even get dirty. So you make me mad. I know it. I try to. I stay awake thinking about it. You ask Judy if I don't. She tells me a lot of times, you wouldn't have to say that, you know. I know, but I'm not going to say it anyway. Because it needs to be said. Number one, yes, Satan can use our tongues. Number two, notice this. This is Ananias and Sapphira. You remember they sold that piece of land and they brought in a portion of the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, pretending it was the whole amount? Verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why have Satan filled thine heart? You know, I've gone to churches and heard the pastor say, We're saved. No hook. Satan can't do anything to us. He can't get in us because the Holy Ghost is in us. They ought to read the Bible to you another time. Why hath Satan done what? Fill thine heart. Peter didn't say, how come Satan put a little speck in the corner of your heart? He didn't put a little speck in his heart. He filled the thing smack up. Satan did. And, and you know what? His wife was part of it. I like that part where they wrapped her up. <laughs> Rolled her up. Carried her out. I never have had that happen. One day I was preaching and got along. I know it got along. It must have been close to 1.30 on a Sunday morning. And a woman was pregnant as pregnant could be. I mean, I mean she was pregnant with a big P. And the, air, and the church didn't have any air conditioning. It was in there, hot. They had fans blown, but it was so hot. I had my sleeves rolled up, my coat off, my tie down. I was sweating. I don't even know what I was preaching. But I know it was been too long. And she passed out and fell right down. And the men went to lift her and carry her out. But she weighed too much. So they just got one under this arm and one under that arm and drug her down the heel, down the aisle, and she had flip-flops on because her feet were the size of but a gallon jugs, and, and she's wearing flip-flops. And, and as they drug her, her heels were dragging and was going flip-flop, 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 and drug her out. She lived. I'm glad she's a good lady. She played, she's a piano player. She only knew one song, uh, the old rugged cross. And it didn't matter what you sang, did it, wifey? It all sounded like the old rugged cross. Did you ever try to sing Amazing Grace to the old rugged cross? She, she had short arms, and, and she was pregnant with a big pea. 
And she couldn't hardly get close enough to the piano to touch the keys, Brother Mosley. I've had the most fun in church. <laughs> yeah. Boy, this was a good day. Don't you know this was a good day? This was a good day. Look in verse 9. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Can I tell you, you start running your mouth or lying to the Holy Ghost like, I'm too sick to go. Then you go to Walmart and push the buggy up and down the aisle. You're looking at me, lady. Number one, you don't belong in the Walmart on Sunday. How you like them apples? I'm sure your husband don't work all week so he can go to the Walmart on Sunday afternoon. If Judy even suggested before it's out of her mouth, I'd do what I taught you. No! Are you looking at me, lady? I don't care if your mother wants to go. Just tell her, Ralph, don't go on Sundays. And by the way, you were too sick to come to church this morning. You know what you've done? You lied to the Holy Ghost. Say amen right there. Rosemary, that'll get you in trouble. You start telling lies about what you can't do, and you're going to get in trouble, Rosemary. And if I find out about it, I'll pray that God does get you in trouble. Spanker good, I'll say. Are you listening? God spanks His children. How many of you know that? God spanks His children. You're going to end up getting spanked. You ever go to woodshed with God? Well, you won't go but one time, and after that, you won't even eat chocolate candy. You brush your teeth three times a day just because you think he likes it. Are you listening to me? That's what some of you need. You flip-flop around, act like you're great and mighty. Yeah, you used to play softball. Softball. How would you like to say I'm a softball champion? Softball? Ain't that kind of feminine? Softball? So you make me mad. I know it. I'm trying. Somebody better tell you the truth. We've gotten so haughty today, and don't you tell me that ain't so. People come in here, and they're going to serve God forever, turn right around, and they're gone. People come to the mission, and they stay three months, and they're clean for three months, and the first thing the devil tells them, you're strong. The only place you're strong is if you forget your deodorant. Shame in right there. Bunch of junk. You know who's feeding you that stuff? The devil. 
The devil is. The devil is. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Satan said, don't blame me, but it was him. It was him. I want you to come to the book of Job, and I feel like I ought to close tonight. I'm not going to preach the rest of them. I could. I, I got them. I'm ready. I've been through the Bible, but I ain't going to do it. I want to get to the invitation tonight, brother. Mickey, it's different than it was last night, and I'm glad. It ain't the same. We ain't charismatics. We don't have some lady that cranks our services up. It's exactly what they got. They got some woman, and she's only about half here, and the other half, well, she ain't never had that half. And she comes in, and every night she gets uh, cranked up. And the first thing you know, they're all cranked up. You're to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's the blessed Holy Spirit. No, no, you don't have to speak in tongues because I understand English. You just talk in English and me and you will get along fine. You start talking in something I don't understand and I'm going to get nervous. And that ain't good. Understand that? We don't need you to crank it up, lady. Oh, devil slick, man. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day and age where independent Baptists believe that they have arrived under the haughtiest things that ever came down the road. And the devils are loving it. And I wanted to warn this tonight. You ever read you know, Job 1 and 2 is such an enlightening two, enlightening two chapters. Here you find out it is the devil, don't you? You read the whole thing. God gave it to us in advance. He said, here's exactly how it is. I asked Satan, had he considered my servant Job? And he, he got all hot about the fact that God brought Job up, didn't he? Huh? And so God said, okay, but don't you touch him. Okay? And he went. You, you can look in Job 1. Look in verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. We see the permission and we see it, the attack, don't we? But now watch this. See if you see his name being mentioned. Look in verse 14. And there came a messenger unto God, and, or unto Job, and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them, and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Notice who got 
the blame, the sub-beings. But we read the early part of the chapter. Who was behind it? Satan was, wasn't he? He blinded them people, and all they saw was the sub-beings. And they never looked past that and Saul who stirred them up, blinded. Come again. Look down. Watch him this time. Verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, notice who gets the blame this time. The fire of God is falling. Capital G-O-D. It's talking about Job's God, the Lord God. He's talking about that. The fire of God is falling from heaven and have burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Hey, Rosemary, can I tell you something? One thing he does to mission people that are trying to recover, better listen to this, Something that you want and you need, God doesn't send it right away. And so Satan gets you to blame God for you not having it. Well, I wanted to go home and see my kids at Christmas. Do your kids drink? Then it ain't no place for you. Do people do drugs at your kid's house? Then that ain't no place for you. Well, I didn't ask God for a bus ticket. Notice, God got the blame. What I tell you tonight when I started, somehow Satan has an amazing power to blind us to where we blame other people and even God himself. Some of us in here would have to lay, raise our hands and say, I was, I've been mad at God at times. Have you, Rosemary? Now that you say, you know, you know the truth now. But we did that very thing. Who's behind that? Well, we wouldn't know that. We wouldn't know. He, he caused Peter to say, took hold of the Lord took him said, not so, Lord. Oh, that sounds so brave. He had to be an independent Baptist. Hmm? We wouldn't know this if God hadn't have told us. Look in verse 17. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans, notice who gets blame this time. Satan don't care who you blame. Just so you don't wise up and say, he's been giving me an awful fit. Dear Jesus, help me. You remember? He'll succor you, which is a military term, meaning here is the defense. This wall is this pulpit is a defense. Here are the flanks. Here, here are the front. 
the, the, the very front where we're going to confront the enemy. And the word sucker is a military term. Satan and his forces come over here and this line begins to bow. He gets a toehold and he starts pushing in. And Hebrews said we're to call out to God who will succor us. He'll come with strength and knock the devil out and strengthen the line again. You see why the devil wants you to blame God? If you're blaming God, you sure ain't going to call on him, are you? Here he got the Chaldeans caught to blame. Look down in verse 19. Hey guys, all you got to do is read the Bible. Who's doing it, but who's getting the blame? That's what's on my heart tonight. I'll close with an illustration in just a minute. Verse 19, And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smoked the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Wouldn't it be something if the devil had something to do with Katrina? I tell you, who'd be happy if there were 10,000 dead? 10,000 Catholics? 10,000 worshipers of Mary? Who, who, who'd be happy? But we believe it on a hurricane. What do you think, Satan don't have, he, he, don't, he ain't real anymore. That was just years ago. Child, you better take some Epsom salts. It might help your brain to swell. <laughs> hey, look in chapter 2. Do you know when you come to chapter 2? It's the same thing. God lets you in on the secret. God's saying to you, don't be ignorant. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, watch. Verse 7 of chapter 2. So Satan went. So Satan, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Now watch this. From there to the end of the book of Job, his three friends plus that other young man spent the entire time saying, Job, you sinned, and God, God's judging you because of your sins. You've been slipping around with your neighbor's wife, ain't you? You cheated some orphan, didn't you, Job? You took grain away from a widow, and you shouldn't have done that, Job. You put your servants in the field on the Sabbath day, didn't you, Job? You know, they spent that whole time and they never did come to the truth. Who did it? The devil. I wish you'd look at your life. Sometimes you need to be quiet and wait. 
and give God an opportunity to just say, don't do what you were going to do. Don't say what you were going to say. going to give you an illustration. I guess I will be done. We have a mission for the black children down in Clarksdale, Mississippi. The black people gave it to us and we gave them a missionary so they could have a sound Bible-believing preacher. They love me and Judy. We've been going there. I think this is our 20th year. And they gave it to us about three years ago and asked me, could, could we send a missionary and, and then would we please try to keep their grandchildren out of prison and out of drugs and keep them from going to hell? Judy and I love them black folk. 20 years, they've been precious to us. And we've been through an awful lot with them, but we love them. And uh, we, we run the mission, and uh, we have buses. Two, two churches gave us buses, and we run them. And I want to go back when we started. One time in a camp meeting, a black lady came to get saved. Her name was Ida. And Ida received Christ as her Savior. And at that same invitation, her foster daughter, Daisy, came and got saved. Daisy is married to a black preacher and they're serving God today he preaches. After the service, a black man come up to me and said, Brother Garris, my name is, is Wardell and I'm the pastor of these people. They meet in my living room. Um, but Brother Garris, I can't read, and I've told him everything I know, and I told him, go somewhere else. I don't know anything else, but they won't do it. And we all decided we want a white preacher that'll be like you and Miss Judy and won't run around with the women and will teach us the Bible. Well, down at Brother Roloff's, there was a man his name is Brother Lowell Evans. His wife's name was Pauline. And Lowell and Pauline came and stayed with the black folks there 13 years. The Rock of Ages, we helped all of the churches that support us. We bought them land. They had saved $9,000. They put their 9000 in. We bought them three acres of land. We put up a, I don't know, it's... Well, we got to have it insured for almost $200,000, so it ain't no rinky-dink shed, Brother Mosley. It's as fine a church as mine is that I worship in. That's why they gave it back to the Rock of Ages, because we're the reason. So, anyhow, things went so well, the church filled up. And a group of men that we later found out were doing drugs and running with whores. They saw this $9,000 in the bank, and they wanted it. So they began a camp.
campaign of lying against the pastor. And they stirred up the women. Again, if you read your Bible, they stirred up the women. And one night in a prayer meeting, Sister Ida stood up. Ida loved me and Judy, and Ida could fry fish like nobody else I ever met. She made me even eat the tails. They were that good. She taught me to eat the fins, and I never eat fins. And I never eat tails. Tails? I wouldn't even eat pigtails and rice when I pastored them country folk. Pigtails. You ever looked in the pot that looks like rats got in it, and their tails are sticking out? I wouldn't eat it. Well, I'd, uh, every time Judy and I'd come down there to be with them, She'd sent Wardell fishing. Wardell would have to fish, or else he went to the fish market, but he better bring home fish. I'd have sent him to get them. On a Wednesday night, these men wanted that $9,000, and to do that, they had to get rid of Wardell, or they had to get rid of Brother Lowell and Miss Pauline. The battle had been going on. And I'd have got deceived by the devil and stood up and railed on the pastor. She shouldn't have done that. Within two weeks, she had breast cancer. She come back and repented. The church forgave her. They anointed her with oil but the Lord would not lift the cancer. She's in heaven tonight. I look forward to seeing her. I hope she doesn't mind me telling you. I'll tell you who gave her that speech that night. Same one that gave it to Peter. I don't know that I'd understood We're taking, we took the mission. We're doing with it what we told the black folk we would. God's been good to us. We're doing our best to keep their grandchildren out of prison. I won't tell you, this Bible's for here and now. And I won't tell you the devil didn't like anything better than to get in you, get in your bunch, and get in We better draw nigh unto God, and He'll draw nigh unto us. We better learn to stop and say, Lord Jesus, should I say that? God, help us. I wasn't trying to hurt you tonight, but you've got to understand the devil ain't over in China tonight. Let's stand together tonight. Be wonderful to use the altar. Heavenly Father.